Talking Streaming Sports, Streaming Services, and Apple TV Plus for 2023 with Charlotte Henry. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is brought to you by the Mac Voices Slack, available to all patrons of Mac Voices. Sign up today at patreon.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, it's that time of year when we look a little bit back and a little bit ahead, trying to figure out what where we've been and where we're going. And I thought that one of the people I should talk to is Charlotte Henry um, of the edition, because she focuses on the media part of Apple. And that has been a pretty big story in the last year or two, and I have an idea it's going to continue to be. Charlotte, it's great to have you. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, always fun to chat with you. Listen, I always get something out of our discussions that I didn't see coming. Um, I should tell folks that we're recording just a little bit ahead so that Charlotte can get some time off for the holidays. Um, So as of right now, it's, it's news as we record this. Apple appears to have bowed out of the uh, the NFL ticket negotiations. Yeah, that's... And I'm, what do you think, Charlotte? Should we be surprised? I'm a bit surprised, given that for so long, and I think we've even discussed it last time I was on your show, we're like, oh, yeah, Apple's interested in NFL Sunday ticket. Apple's going to get Sunday ticket. I mean, the day before I recorded this show with you, I put out a podcast with Kelly Gamont discussing similar topics. And we were like, yeah, Apple... Is kind of interested in Sunday tickets still because it's interested in live sports. And then we suddenly see that it seems to be going to Google slash YouTube. And again, by the time this show goes out, it could be on Amazon or something. You know, <laughs> these things do change. But given how long it's been going on, I'm surprised Apple seems to have backed away. But perhaps that tells us it just wasn't the right deal for Apple. You know, Apple makes these shows, buys these events when it feels it's right for them. You know. This the Apple is not going to live or die by what appears on Apple TV Plus. You know, we don't know how many people even pay for Apple TV Plus or watch it. You know, it barely gets a mention sometimes in in the results. You know, in its investor calls. So Apple is not going to live or die by these numbers and the, these events that it can get. But I, I am slightly surprised because it would have been a big coup for Apple to get the NFL. That would have made it a really serious player in the live sports game. So do you think it can be a player in the live sports game without the NFL ticket, given that they have the MLB um, connection at the moment? Uh, I, I'm, I'm a little unclear on exactly what has happened to, uh, well, soccer on my side of the pond, football yeah, on your side of the pond. Soccer, yeah. So Major League Soccer starts on February the 23rd, and it's a decade-long deal Apple has. Um, you can buy, I think you can buy a season pass from February the 1st, Apple said. So. That that's a huge deal. That is a major commitment. It, this is a decade long deal between Apple and Major League Soccer, so that that is a very big deal. I'll be honest; I'm not sure how many people outside of America are going to care about it. I mean, I'm a huge, as you know, Chuck. I'm a huge football fan, and it's not the type of thing I would spend extra money on. I, you know, I get some MLS games as part of my existing package. I can't. I don't think I've ever settled down to watch one. Um, you know, in Europe, our focus tends to be on European football until the World Cup when, you know, we watch all the other teams. Um, but I, I think it could be a big deal. Obviously, MLS thinks it's a big deal to partner with a big tech company that already has a big audience. 
it's a huge, you know, the length of the deal I thought was really significant that they're both committing to each other for a decade, which is not really something we see in media, is it? You know, a 10 year long deal. Um, uh, obviously, Apple hopes that live sport will be a way to get people into the service. You do have to pay extra for the season pass, I should say. Whereas with MLB, you've never had to pay anything extra. You haven't even needed an Apple TV Plus subscription to watch MLB. You just need the Apple TV app. Um, but yeah, obviously, Apple is snooping around live sport and is interested in live sport. It's all been quite typically Apple, hasn't it? That it's been slow and steady and a couple of baseball games here. You know, then a few soccer, you know, quite a lot of soccer games, but not one of the major world leagues there. You just got me to say soccer, Chuck. I'm furious at you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it is quite Apple how it's done. And look, we, uh, I think I've said this to you on your show before. App, Amazon did the same, didn't it? Got some tennis and build up its capacity to deliver these events before it went big and got Premier League football, which was a very big deal. Um, so, it is quite Apple to build it up slowly. I think it would have been a major, major coup to get something, you know, NFL, whether you like American football or not, it is one of the biggest leagues and sports franchises in the world, the NFL. Um, and it's increasingly popular here in the UK, I should say. And in Europe, you know, there's games in Germany and whatever. So I I am surprised is the long and the short of it. But, you know, maybe Google was willing to put more money in maybe the kind of streaming and highlights capacity um, of YouTube was more tempting to the NFL. I don't know. We'll have to see all the details when they're finalised. I mean, these these discussions, whoever's been involved, has gone on for quite a while, haven't they? Well, they have. And, you know, with YouTube and Google, I, I think that's – and Amazon. Um, I think that's really interesting. Amazon has – Amazon has uh, – uh, Amazon Prime, and so they sort of have a delivery—I don't know what service location—you know—that that you kind of know where to go. I'm not sure Google does at this point, unless unless it is YouTube, and then that starts screaming to me that you know, are, are you going to be on, on a big screen? Are you going to then have to have a Chromecast? Are you going to have to have? Um, I mean, a, a separate subscription to a YouTube service. How how do you envision that potentially working if they were the winners? So, first of all, loads of smart TVs obviously have the YouTube app. I can watch YouTube on my TV. Um, so that's I guess, solves in lots of cases the big screen TV problem. Um, but as you were talking that through, the one thing that came into my mind was the YouTube premium subscription, which some people really like. A lot of people don't know exists and don't care about. Maybe that's the way to drive more people to YouTube's premium subscription. I don't know. I mean, the thing with the YouTube premium subscription, as I understand it, is that you don't get adverts. Uh, And I can't imagine any sports league in the world accepting a broadcast without adverts. So it'll be interesting to see if that's the way it goes, how that happens. But yeah, it might be a way to drive people to YouTube premium. It might just be a way of YouTube showing off its credentials and Google showing off its credentials because... I mean, there's lots of content on YouTube and there's lots of creators and we haven't seen Google as the kind of or alphabet, the mothership, really do that much in terms of, you know, it doesn't really make original shows, does it? It doesn't have its, if you want to put it like this, you know, YouTube is what it is, but it doesn't really have a streaming service in the way we think of Netflix or Amazon Prime Video or things like that. 
I, I do find it quite interesting. It's gone that it has showed some live sports, and obviously people put highlights there and all sorts of things. So, I mean, I'm kind of thinking out loud, if I'm honest, where how this plays out because, as you say, it's all pretty relatively new news as we're we're discussing it. But look, YouTube and Google have huge capacity; they can obviously deliver these things. I'm I will be fascinated to see how it plays out because they haven't you know they've never really got into the original content game as i say have they that's made by them not other people not not so far that's you know that's yeah this is where it gets really interesting you know as to who's making the content who's delivering the content um and how much those two sides of that business need to be together or should be together mm-hmm. um or is is it an advantage is it a disadvantage well or you is it just Options. YouTube has always done well from other people making content and delivering the ads for it. As you know, this in some ways I don't. If you want to be blunt about it, I don't really understand why YouTube or Google feels the need to get involved in this when it's making so much money without having to make any content, really. But you see, you know, delivering one of the biggest sports leagues in the world seems, in some ways, more trouble than it's worth to Google. But I, I'm clearly missing something because the executives at Google are obviously much smarter and much richer than me and know what they're doing. <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess I look at it from the consumer standpoint mm. and I'm trying to figure out uh, the, the friction involved in each one of the potential options. And I feel like YouTube, Google introduces the most friction followed closely. I, I mean, Amazon, Amazon's second down that list because they're already delivering American football on Thursday nights. Yep. Um, so if you've gotten used to that, well, then, gee, it's not a big leap to say, oh, okay, now this is where I'm going to get most of my football or a lot of my football. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple TV Plus, okay, maybe – I'm not sure if that's more friction or not. You know, I mean, we there's an Apple TV app available for smart TVs. Yep. So – would that already chose just become some live sport already? Not much, but a bit. Right. So, or does that just suddenly become another quote unquote channel on my TV um, that I pr- prim- primarily tune into for live sports? If that's what I'm into, I, yeah. yeah. There, there are a lot of questions here and not a lot of answers. No. Um, well, part of the reason why they're not answered on this particular topic is because this particular deal hasn't been done. It's not like the MLS deal we were talking about before with Apple where it's signed, sealed, delivered. We know the season kicks off February 23rd. We know you can buy a season pass for from February the 1st. You know, we know how those things work. We know how Amazon delivers Premier League football. We've seen it a lot of times. Um, the, thing, the point I always make, actually, whenever we discuss streaming services delivering live sport, is the kind of second street screen problem and the delay problem with delays. Because uh, I remember very clearly when Amazon Prime, stopped, you know, on Prime Videos first started showing uh, Premier League football, and there were huge issues with people kind of tweeting about or messaging their friends, talking about goals and major incidents in a game, and the other people hadn't seen it because you know streaming services inevitably not everything can be synced up perfectly. Um, with everyone else. I mean, that happens a bit with kind of cable TV, depending on how it's delivered or whatever, but it was a real noticeable issue and it has got better. But um, yeah, I suspect there's going to be a few angry tweets and and text messages. You know, if you see a a match-winning touchdown or something and your friend is 
90 seconds behind. Yeah, I've I've experienced that here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even with just in the same household with different TVs on cable. Sure. That you know absolutely. they are not absolutely synced up now. That that delay is a couple seconds, you know, maybe maybe 5 seconds. But then let's say if if I turn on in the living room uh, a network broadcast of a football game, but I also turn on the uh, on my iPad the the webcast of it. That is a good ten to fifteen seconds, if not more. Yeah, I was going to say at least ten to fifteen seconds. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I haven't timed it out, but you know, you've, you've got a pretty good idea that you you're into the game on the big TV, but you're still in commercial on the iPad. Yeah. And yeah. so you, you know, you're right. This creates a whole different thing, a whole different set of problems. I mean, if you're engaged in social media and are really into that, I'm not sure that that's not an edge case. Um, although maybe I'm, I, I don't know. Do you think so? Do you think a lot of people? Uh, I don't know. I, all I know this? is if, if I watch live sport on something on a platform, I know like a stream platform that is liable to be uh, delayed. I need to put various devices on mute so that friends don't disturb, disturb it for me. And I, also I'm very wary if I message friends that, that I may be ahead of them. Yeah. I think it's interesting. We've gone down this kind of rabbit hole of discussing live sport on stream because I think that is, going to be a big deal but also it kind of is indicative of another thing that's happened this year of how these streaming services have slightly got away from what we originally knew them for right which was load of shows that i like that i can watch whenever i feel like watching them and and like you know if you listen to netflix senior leadership talk now all they want to talk about is games and how they're introducing gaming to the netflix platform I have to say, I've not spent any time playing any games on Netflix, but that's kind of interesting. You know, we've seen big shifts with ad tiers coming to Netflix and Disney Plus, price rises across the board. It's kind of, it, it has been a major disruptive year in in streaming this year, hasn't it? It has. And it, I mean, it feels like everybody's looking for a new edge or a new product to enhance their platform. And I guess that's just the nature of things that everybody copies everybody else sooner or later. And you just try to figure out, are they going to be good enough to keep it going? And who's going to be, if they're, if who's going to be the big winner, if there's going to be a big winner. Yeah. For me, it's always been Disney plus that seems to be the one that can swoop in. We, you know, we saw it get to the same number of subscribers as Netflix this year. Although as I understand, it doesn't make the same amount of money per subscriber as netflix does i think the difference you know when this first came up was quite significant um you know even apple was like oh i guess we better put the price of tv plus up keep up with the others they're all shut we don't want to look cheap compared to the others i mean do you really think apple cares about making money from tv plus i mean maybe a bit because it's apple but like it's not the main reason it started tv plus and it's not the thing it's worrying about to Three years in, is it? Well, I was just going to say you just did the qualifier. Two years, two or three years in, I don't think they're worried about it. Long term, I think absolutely, it's going to have to make some money for them, or it's not worth doing. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and it's the you know Apple doesn't do anything unless it can make money from it, and also I guess you have to make money to keep getting the high quality talent come, you know, being able to pay for the high quality talent, which it does, and clearly that is a thing it does care about a lot. Okay, so let's shift away from sports and let's just talk about 
is there such a thing as regular programming? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you feel Apple's stacking up against the competition uh, in through 22 and headed into 23? Yeah, so the Apple catalog, because it's all originals, save for some peanut stuff, has always been much, much smaller. But suddenly, and again, I discussed this with Kelly Gamont on my show, suddenly if you browse through the Apple TV Plus catalog, there's suddenly quite a lot there. And quite a lot of it is quite appealing to watch. I mean, it's not ever going to have the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Star Wars and, you know, all the natural history program that Disney Plus is having. It's not going to have the years of catalogue that Netflix has. But, you know, there's quite a lot there. And it's, you know, it's all sort of done quality over quantity. And it's just about getting that right, I think. And like there's big shows that are going to be renewed. It's expat. I read that, you know, my favorite show on Apple TV plus is mythic quest, which I just think is so brilliant. And it's expanding the universe around that show into with a new series called mere mortals, which is taking some of the stars from mythic quest and kind of looking at their stories in a bit more depth. And uh, I think it's doing pretty well. You know, I was joking about whether we'll ever see the Leonardo DiCaprio's movie, um, what's it called, whatever, The Flower Moon. It's a huge, I mean, it's got everyone in it. It's got Robert De Niro in it. It's directed by Martin Scorsese. I don't even want to know how much it's cost. And it's been Killers of the Flower Moon, and it's been just delayed endlessly. And yes, and that's the kind of stuff Apple wants to do. It wants you to go, we're the place where you get, Tom Hanks movies. We're the place where you get Will Smith's latest movie. We're the place where you get Leonardo DiCaprio movies directed by Martin Scorsese, Robert, you know. It wants to have those big things, but I think it's got better at having a bit of lighter stuff in there as well. So I mentioned Mythic Quest, the obvious one, and I'm quite impressed to ask that we've taken this long to bring it up. Is uh Ted Lasso. We've done very well. I think we've got through like 17 minutes without messaging mentioning Ted Lasso. Um that is season three that's meant to be, we assume, will come out next year. Um, always, that, that's been the thing that brought most many people into Apple TV+. Plus. People were like, I don't care about, why is Apple doing streaming? I don't care. I just want my Mac. And then everyone was talking about this random Ted Lasso show and people sort of signed up to be part of the comp- conversation. Uh, so season three is coming out, we assume, next year. When I interviewed Bill Lawrence ages ago, he told me that this was meant to be the final, it's a three season art. This is meant to be the final season of Ted Lasso. I remain unconvinced at this point that Apple TV plus will actually kill the golden goose. You know, we might see specials and things like that, but that's going to be an interesting moment when the show most associated with your platform supposedly ends. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on on TV plus. That you know, it now doesn't seem like why am I bothering to pay for this? Oh, it's fine. It's a free thing. I don't care. I'll have it because I got it with a new Mac or a new iPad or whatever. It, it does seem to be some substance within the service. Well, you you mentioned, of course, you mentioned Ted Lasso. Of course, you did. Um, and it's interesting that How that sort not? of became a yeah, it's it sort of become a flagship for Apple TV Plus. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I've, I get a little frustrated because that's just like we were talking about earlier with. Uh, Apple TV Plus becoming the sports network. It feels like it, Apple TV Plus has become the Ted Lasso network, and it's it's really shortchanging Apple TV Plus to characterize it as that because there's so much good stuff on there. Uh, I think some other shows changed that. Like, you know, Severance really broke through. Slow Horses with Gary Oldman is 
on my must-watch list, and I think it's proving a bit po- pretty popular. Um, there is other stuff. On, is it Tehran as well? Um, there, there is some stuff on there that is bringing people in, I think. But, yeah, if you, people still, I think, say, if you're watching Apple TV Plus, they go, oh, Ted Lasso. And I think that probably is still true. And I don't know if the people at Apple would be happy about that or frustrated by that. Because I think they assume that the morning show was going to be their major hit. I mean, as it happens, I really didn't like season two. But anyway, I thought it was a complete mess. But that's a whole different issue. Um, but yeah, but you know, look at the morning show. It shows how much they're prepared to spend on talent. Like a show with Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. That's not cheap. <laughs> that doesn't come cheap, does it? Having Oprah do an interview series for you definitely does not come cheap. Having Jon Stewart relaunch his career on your platform also does not come cheap. Um, but I think your point kind of is indicative of something else, which is Apple is still not great at communicating about its media services, is it? No, that's something I was going to bring up. Um, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I will, that I did not realize until probably about two weeks in that Mythic Quest, uh, the new season had started. Right. But and, never and, mind. And, and I watch and I watch Apple. I mean, I pay attention to the Apple yeah. universe, and I didn't know. And so it's like, ah, guys, you know, this this is maybe not as, it's not your flagship, obviously, but it's potentially, you know, second, third tier flagship. And you, I didn't even know about it. Uh, never mind that. Did you remember that Apple? Because I had to be reminded of this, which is really shocking for me. Did you remember that Apple, an Apple movie is the current holder of the Oscars Best Picture? No. Coda. I, I mean, I admit I don't pay a lot of attention to all the awards, but no, I did not know that. Right. That's a huge deal. And they did make a fuss of Coda at the time. As it happened, Coda was bought from a film festival. It wasn't like made by Apple. But it, on Apple TV Plus is the current holder of the Best Picture Oscar. That's a huge deal, but like... It kind of all gets lost in the mix, I think. Look, Apple does a lot of stuff. It really cares most if you buy an iPhone or not. But if you're going to commit to having a media play, I think you maybe have to do a little bit better at telling people about it. Maybe I'm being harsh. I don't know. And I include this to lots of different services. You know, Within Apple Music, there's like a version of MTV that I bet nobody knows about, You know, a music video channel. Um, never mind the live radio stuff that I don't think anyone ever talks about. There's, you know, Apple News is highly neglected in News Plus, but it's a great service. I, I, you're not wrong, and I and I don't think you're being harsh. I I, I mean, I think there's a, a lot of room for improvement. I'm afraid that I'm not smart enough to know how to do it without it just becoming, you know, a constant barrage of, yeah. you know, all Apple all the time everywhere. Yeah. But they, they are giving you that option that if you want to be all Apple all the time everywhere, you can pretty much do it for audio, for video, um, for news, for games. You know, games. I mean, games is something I cannot speak to at all intelligently. But the people that can tell me that Apple is – a pretty significant player in games and that the games are pretty significant themselves. Yeah, there's some good stuff on Apple Arcade. Uh, you know, and Apple was doing that. You know, Netflix, as we mentioned earlier, is getting very excited about games and trying to make that push. 
Apple was already doing it, but I don't know how many people are getting really excited about Apple Arcade. You know, the Apple One bundle is a pretty, whichever way you cut it, is a pretty good media bundle. And it's the type of thing only a bigger company like Apple can offer, you know, not a pure play media company can offer. But, yeah, I mean, I love a lot of what Apple does. I sometimes wish they'd just talk about it more. Whereas, you know, like if there's big shows on Netflix, you kind of know about it. Like since Wednesday came out, loads of people know about that show. It's been talked about a lot. I, I sometimes think Apple doesn't do as good a job as, as I say, of shouting about some of the good stuff it has. Yeah, and, I, and again, I don't know how to how to do it. That would be would be characteristically Apple. I mean, it seems Listen, like it's- I think they should employ us as highly paid um, communications consultants, Chuck, and we would come up with a solution. Um, yeah, Chuck at Mac Voices, sign, send yeah. the contract, and I'm in. Yeah, you can do the. Uh, that's fine. You can do the admin for me. That's fine. That's good. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I just I just became Charlotte Henry's administrative assistant. If, if they can send Chuck, send it to Chuck at Matt Voices. We can we can we can collaborate on this. I'm in. Okay, you got it. You got it, Charlotte. What do you, anything that we should be on the lookout for 2023? I mean, obviously we hit. You know, you always see the announcements of new shows, mm-hmm. new movies, movies delayed, shows delayed. Um, but any anything that you think is worth really paying extra attention to. So I think the biggest thing that has changed in the streaming world this year, and we're definitely going to see continuing over the next year, is that investors in these um, streaming services actually care about them making money now. You know, the flip, you notice it particularly when Netflix executives are talking, that they go from, they went from talking about how many people and subscribers, and they still obviously make a fuss about that, to how much, like they care about revenue and profit now. It wasn't just spend a lot of cash, get loads of people watching your programs and we'll be happy from the inv- like people want to see these companies making money now and that has changed quite significantly again it's slightly different in apple world because apple the company obviously makes i mean so much money but um with the individual pure and, and again amazon is covered a bit by this as well but i'm thinking particularly of netflix and there's a different there is added pressures on disney because of and disney plus um like making profit from your streaming services suddenly really matters whereas it didn't before for those companies and i think that's quite an interesting thing and i want it'll be interesting that when we kind of get the quarterly updates from these companies how much the emphasis on that continues there's one last thing i want to ask you about Uh-oh. and i'm i'm almost embarrassed to ask it Uh-oh. because it burned bright for about a week and a half and then seems to have faded away Apple and Disney. Ah, yes. John Skipper, stirring, <laughs> former ESPN boss and direct report to Bob, the newly returned Bob Iger at Disney, stirring the waters a bit. Yeah, he was on a podcast. Um, was it The Business uh, with Matt Baloney? Sorry, The Town with Matt Baloney. Uh, and he sort of threw a little blood in the water saying that Bob Iger might be the last ever Disney CEO and that maybe there'd be some kind of partnership with Apple. I mean, I enjoyed it. It was the kind of thing I kind of enjoyed. I write, I wrote a newsletter about it and it, it's interesting because previously you thought Disney can't sell itself. It's ridiculous. It's Disney. And if they were going to sell itself, why would they sell it to the place that makes iPhones and Mac computers? But, you know, 
Bob Iger was obviously on the board of Apple for a lot of long, long time, very close to Steve Jobs. Basically, only left the Apple board because Disney Plus was being launched, and they it was too much of a conflict of interest by the end. Um, I, I'm intrigued by this. I'd love to. I don't know if he was sort of on a wind up, John Skipper, or it was like a thing he seriously thought could happen. But um, yeah, it's uh, it could be an intriguing one if there's some kind of partnership. And I actually think there's lots of reasons it some. I don't think you'll see Apple buy the Walt Disney Company. That seems a bit of a stretch to me. But there could be some kind of partnership, you know, where some content from each platform goes on to the other. There's some production support from Disney. There's some technological support from Apple. You could see these kind of things maybe happening. The other thing that's interesting about that, on that interview on the town, uh, Skipper said that he couldn't, didn't think Disney would ever spin off ESPN. Uh, the sports network because it would make Disney too small. And, but like now I'm reading analysts reports from analysts saying, actually maybe Disney should get rid of ESPN. I mean, obviously in America, you're more tied to ESPN than me. We only get a little bit of it here, but that's kind of, that could be interesting as well. And maybe then you would see more of a, of a, a collaboration between Apple and Disney, or to go back to the start of our conversation, Apple could solve its live sports problem by buying ESPN. Ah, you know, I boy, you don't want to get I'm me on my ESPN. I'm just causing trouble. I really don't think that's going to oh, happen. Oh, oh yeah, no. I, I mean, you could get me on my ESPN soapbox because I feel like ESPN is is bloated and it is, you know, and how and many channels of ESPN are there in America? I wait. <laughs> Way too many. Right. Way too many. I, I don't even know. I mean, it just it got it got to the point where it's almost ridiculous, you know. And so I I don't see ESP, ESPN as something desirable for Apple to pick up. Um, I, I, coincidentally, when all this stuff was breaking, I was in the process of listening to a podcast about Pixar, Disney, Bob Iger, and Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. and how that all came together, mm-hmm. and how much Jobs trusted Iger, and now yeah, and Bob sudden, Iger and of course. Describes that deal um, to buy Pixar from Steve Jobs, who was Steve Jobs was the majority shareholder of Pixar at the time. He says that's probably the best acquisition he ever made. Yeah, and you know, but how how Jobs tr- trusted Iger. Now Jobs mm-hmm. is not around anymore, but you know he held Iger in such high regard. The podcast portrayed Iger as someone who really did work to try to meld the cultures together instead of just coming in and saying, "Okay, now it's going to be done the Disney way." Mm-hmm. Period. So. You know, I, I'm with you. I I just I can't see Apple wanting to get into all the hassles and administration of running theme parks and all that. But it does seem like that a deal of some kind would make a lot of sense for both companies, would improve Apple's stance in the media world, and certainly couldn't hurt Disney's stance in, in any of the things that they're into. Yeah, and I think the fact we both mentioned Bob Iger multiple times is key here. Like, I don't think this would be being considered without Bob Iger. I think it's a plausible conversation because of his links to Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It'll be, it's, I mean, it's fun to think about. It's fun to talk about. We, we shall see what, what's going to happen, but no matter what happens, there would be a lot of zeros behind it. No question about it. Uh, many zeros. Yeah. <laughs> So, Charlotte, thank you. Um, you know, it, it feels like it's going to be another exciting year for Apple TV Plus and Apple mm-hmm. and its media arm or media presence, if you will. 
Um, tell us about the edition and why folks should listen to it. Uh, yeah, this podcast is a newsletter that comes out twice a week. Uh, head over to theedition.substack.com and you can subscribe there. Please do. It'll make me very happy over this festive period to get new subscribers. Um, yeah, we cover, I cover all things digital media. It's crossover with the tech world, which obviously, as this conversation illustrates, is vast and growing. Um, yeah, so there's all sorts of things, analysis, original reporting, yeah, all sorts of things going on there. So do check it out at theedition.substack.com. I tend to get great guests onto the podcast. Well, I think even, I've even let you on, Chuck, haven't I? So yeah, you, have- it, you dropped your standards for a week. and <laughs> No, not at all. So, yeah, there's all sorts of fun stuff we do over there that, that is in exactly this kind of space what, that we've been discussing. So if you found this uh, conversation interesting, I hope you come join me over there. And at the risk, I don't want to take us down a social media uh, rat hole because we, that could be another another whole show. But um, are you still on Twitter? Or are you still where are you on social media? I'm at Charlotte A Henry on Twitter. Come to, come join me over there as well. Perfect, Charlotte. Thank you so much. It's it's a it's a blast. Um, happy holidays, Happy New Year, depending on when this goes out and mm-hmm. when folks listen to it. Um, and we will definitely talk again uh, in 2023. I look forward to it. Happy holidays and Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. Pay attention to uh, Charlotte's podcast and her newsletter because it is an important part of the Apple universe and the whole media thing is just going to get more important, I'm sure. Until the next time, and as always, thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page And get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at BackbeatMedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at Cashfly.com.